Hello, I'm Tim McLaughlin, and this is a Maywa podcast. The lecture, Waiting for the Monsoon, Slow Close in India, was recorded live on October 11, 2007, as part of the Maywa Textile Symposium held in Vancouver, Canada. The lecture is introduced by Sophina Kwan and features Charlotte Kwan and Mahesh Desoya. This podcast consists of excerpts of the lecture and was first posted in November of 2007. Welcome to the very first lecture of the 2007 Maywa Symposium, um, Waiting for the Monsoon, Slow Close in India. I'm very proud to be up here introducing tonight's lecturers, Charlotte Kwan and Mahesh Dosaya. Charlotte Kwan, of course many of you know, is the founder and owner of Maywa Handprints on Granville Island, a company that's been alive for 21 years, as long as I have. (laughs) (laughs) Along with that, she's an author, she's a documentary filmmaker, She's a teacher, she's an intrepid traveler, a constant source of inspiration to myself and many others, and she's my mum. Her work and her passion for the craftsperson, as well as the preservation of craft, has taken her to India for over 17 years. And in that time, she's created some lifelong partnerships and relationships with embroidering communities, um, block printing, as well as weaving communities. One of these relationships that she's grown with a village in Rajasthan called Baiguru. She's worked with, with the family for over 15 years, but with Mahesh Dosaya, who's also speaking tonight, for four years. Mahesh Dosaya comes from a long reign of block printers as well as natural dyers, seven generations. Welcome, Charlotte Kwan and Mahesh Dosaya. So how the evening is going to go is I'm going to outline uh, some of the major concepts of slow clothes and then I'll call on Mahesh here to join me as we discuss how slow clothes are actually uh, made. The term slow clothes was coined by our very own Angela Murals, a a journalist of the Georgia Strait, and she based it on a concept of the slow foods movement, uh, which appeared as a reaction to the fast food culture. The slow food movement emphasizes eating local uh, and organic foods, maintaining traditional regional cuisines, and uh, maintaining a connection between the plate and the planet. There's also a fast clothes culture. And we believe that making clothes can be slowed down in very particular ways. There are well-known issues of labor exploitation, and there are many horror stories we've all known about the conditions of factories and conditions of wages and so forth um, in countries uh, where most of our clothes are coming from. Tonight, we'd like to focus on a more positive side, that what can be done and what we see being done. There is an alternative. Slow clothes are slow because there is a human involvement in all aspects of production. We see human involvement not as something to be um, eliminated in the interest of faster production, but rather we see it as we seek to add a human uh, element to all aspects of our clothing design and production. It's important to draw out uh, what might be an obvious distinction that slow clothes are slow because the production is inefficient or very, very small uh, or lacks planning or can't address the market. Slow clothes are slow because their production is thoughtful. Uh, It's quite simply, they're slow because it takes time to produce something that is thoughtful and that it responds in an appropriate manner to the market. 
For us, Slowcoes is asking the question, do we even need to produce one more piece of clothing? And I believe the answer is yes, but with a lot of criteria or on a different, on a different level than how we ask, do we need to flood the market with more clothes? We have to produce clothing differently. We have to produce clothing as a uh, buyer, we have to demand that our clothes are produced differently. We have to demand that they're affordable, but that they have an involvement of an appropriate uh, level of industry. And this is the concept that we're going to explore tonight. People say that if we make clothes um, slowly and with a lot of value added and so forth, that they'd be prohibitively expensive, but it's not true. All of us, um, you know, we, we've all gone through the the fact of buying a pair of jeans, a, a mass-produced or industry-produced pair of jeans, and, or seeing a label of a pair of jeans that are you know, upwards of $300. And we know that in the back of our mind that those workers have not been paid, probably not been paid more than 5%. That is the kind of um, statistic of the actual labor and cloth that is paid for in a pair of uh, designer jeans. We know that in the back of our mind. All that expense is in marketing. At Maywa, we know that it's possible to make slow clothes because we do it all the time. It's challenging. It requires us to be clever and sharp and smart in, in different ways than is required for the fast clothes model. It takes time, but the benefits give us uh, something that the ordinary clothing manufacturer will never have. We get an intense joy when we succeed and a feeling that we're doing something beyond being successful at a demanding business, a knowledge that we've been successful at making the, in, the clothing industry inclusive. We, are, we make them in, the clothing industry inclusive of artisans, of craftspeople, of skilled technicians, and that we're able to keep them fully employed and maintain their skills. So I'd like to take you through some of the aspects of slow clothes so that you can see what we mean. The title of this lecture, which I love, is Waiting for the Monsoon Slow Clothes in India, because we work in India. And the cycle of the monsoon affects our production in every way, from spinning and weaving to the growing of dyes, <coughs> from block printing to sewing. You're listening to excerpts from the lecture, Waiting for the Monsoon, Slow Clothes in India. After the main presentation, there was an opportunity for questions from the audience. One person asked about linen, jute, and the availability of fibers. Well, one of the things that's been huge for us that's changed is that linen is available in India. What's happened in India is the complete bottoming out or destruction of the jute industry, which has been devastating for India, for particularly for Bengal and Calcutta. Um, that has come from the demand of uh, shipping container or shipping packaging being having to be plastic by law. So there can be no more jute, and that was the big shipping industry was jute. So although India is not yet ready to grow linen, all our flax actually comes from Belgium and from Poland and Lithuania and Latvia, it has all the ability to weave it, both hand loom and machinery. So that's changed because linen, you could never find linen, just silk and cotton, really, in India. So other than that, I think it's been more of a disappearance of fibers than, a, than a, an increase in fibers. I think it's not so much the fibers, it's the weaves. It, that's what gets us, I feel, almost 
panicked about about the loss of weave structures, the loss of spinning, the kadi. I mean, kadi can be done. Kadi is the what's called the freedom fiber. This is the fiber that Gandhi made so famous, and uh, was how they kind of took back control of their textile industry. It's the second biggest industry in India to, to agriculture, took back the textile industry from the British control. Kadi now you can hardly find maybe five or six weaves of kadi in different different. Kadi emporiums, where actually Kadi comes. How many did we find? Uh, two hundred and in that, in that, those two hundred, over two hundred weaves, uh, ultimately could have could be done. And we're very interested in in keeping those kinds of things. We commission work all the time. Even work goes into the store. People have no idea. We had we had skirts that were made out of four hundred count Kadi. It was unbelievable. But people just didn't get it, you know, they're just like, oh, it's cotton, it's nice, well, feels good. You know, we try not, we have so much educated to do, we try not to push it down people's throats, <laughs> but it, 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 we do get a little bit uh, panicked, I don't know a better word, of, of things disappearing. The, the ability of the weavers to weave this type of, well, 400 count kadi, this is, it's hand spun only between 4 in the morning and 6.30 in the morning, is the only time there's enough uh, moisture in the air to, to spin and this then it's woven and it's woven like five to six five to eight inches a day but it's the most gossamer of cottons there's nothing that you can wear that kind of wicks your perspiration and feels as like you can wear quite quite a lot of layers of it in very hot weather it catches the wind it catches the ever so slight breeze it's just it's just makes sense how all these fabrics came about, but they are disappearing. All these, um, as, ma as well as the dye information, actually weaves are disappearing very quickly. If weavers, it comes to our attention that weavers can do this type of work, whatever it might be, we'll just start working it into our lines. We would hope that probably 100% of our clothing could be handwoven. Handwoven is, it should not be, there's handwoven that is, being forced to compete with mills, that's not good handwoven. This is not how hand weavers, hand weavers don't need to compete with mill weavers. This is what's happened in so many countries is that hand, hand weaving is seen as a cheaper alternative because labor is cheaper in a certain area. Therefore, hand weavers just weave like bad, fast and hundreds of meters of weaving. Then that should be done on a mill. Absolutely, we support, do it on a mill. What shouldn't happen is, though, that is, is that the ability of us to accept or to bring hand weaving into our lives and have something in every one of our closets and in every one of our homes and needs to be the very, very um, unique aspect of hand weaving. Hand weaving and hand weavers and their ability to spin a yarn and, and weave a fabric, that's where all our great mill woven cloth comes from is that base of studying the hand woven cloth and the hand woven structure. Hand weaving needs to stay a part of our clothing industry for sure. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a Mewa podcast. The lecture, Waiting for the Monsoon, Slow Clothes in India, was presented on October 11, 2007, as part of the Mewa Textile Symposium, held in Vancouver, Canada. The lecture is introduced by Sophina Kwan and features Charlotte Kwan and Mahesh Desoya. 
The podcast you've just heard consists of excerpts from the lecture. It was first posted in November of 2007. Mewa podcasts can be found on the Mewa website at www.mewa.com. That's www.maiwa.com. I'm Tim McLaughlin. Thank you for listening.